Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We are back. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by former NFL QB and founder of the Sims Complete QB, Matt Sims. Also joining us, NFL draft analyst and Irish breakdown recruiting analyst, Ryan Roberts. Today, what we're talking about for the 2023 NFL draft, we already did quarterbacks. Today, we are doing offensive players, offensive weapons, the top weapons in this class, determining the best destinations for them to have early success in their NFL careers. Guys, I want to start us off here with the biggest weapon in the class. One guy who some people have said is the best overall player in the 2023 NFL draft. That being B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. Now, if we were to pick a destination, a team for him to have a massive rookie season, Ryan, I want to kick it to you first. Who do you think is the best team for B. Hey, John Joe, Robinson? remember when you didn't like B. John Robinson that much in summer scouting? <laughs> stop it stop it stop right, I'm sorry. stop you're man i can't say anything on this show without having given a little bit of or just on any show with you and having and a little time and did you see joe's in. top five offensive coordinators that he tweeted about the other day too very questionable as well that was a good list ryan listen you have of one list. of your top five guys never actually has been a full-time sole offensive coordinator he's only been a co-offensive coordinator so are you talking it, about will stein Correct. I'm glad that you know that. Yeah, I have. I have faith in Will Stein. I think that, that I am, a, a, and I do too. Hire. I love Will Stein, but at the same time, he's never been a sole offensive quarter yet. Okay, but I digress. I, I apologize. I'm projecting. Just I'm projecting speaking. forward a little bit. Sorry, also, guy, by the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was no, going to go say, ahead. speaking ahead, of Texas <laughs> football, we can get back to the conversation. Yes, yeah, great, great transition there. <laughs> Good job, yes. Ryan. Go. I, Joe, I, I picked, and fellas, I picked the Dallas Cowboys for B. John Robinson. Not because I think it's going to happen, because I don't think it's going to happen, right? They've invested a lot of money in running backs for the last couple of years. I know, obviously, they cut ties with Ezekiel Elliott this offseason. But, I mean, over the last few years, man, they've paid Ezekiel a big contract. They just gave Tony Pollard a nice little you know, couple-year deal there. So they have invested in the running back position, which tells me that they're not probably going to continue to do that moving forward because it's not really a winning recipe. But if you're asking me who, where can he go in and I think have an instant impact, it's with the Dallas Cowboys that inherently do want to run the football, right? Like they're still one of those traditionalists where they do want to run the football at a high clip. We saw what Ezekiel Elliott did early on in his Dallas Cowboys career. I think with that Cowboys offensive line, as long as they're healthy, right? But you have Tyron Smith, you have um, uh, Tyler Smith, who was the rookie out, out of Tulsa last year, who had a really nice rookie season, especially as a run blocker. You have Zach Martin, who is pound for pound, probably the best offensive lineman in the NFL, arguably. Fantastic player. Tyler Biotish, who came out of Wisconsin. Obviously, they love to run the football a ton. They want to be able to get downhill and be aggressive. And I think also the the combination of traits that you talk about with Bijan being 215 pounds, physical, explosive, downhill runner, combined with what also Tony Pollard can give you outside the tackles and as a space player, I think it would be a great combination, man. So it won't happen, but Dallas Cowboys, Bijan Robinson would be a lot of fun. And you keep him in Texas, man. So everyone's happy. Matt, who we got? 
I think that's a great take, Ryan. And as I went through the list, I thought that Bijan was a great fit for every NFL team this year in the draft. Now, the question is, is just can you draft a guy that early at the running back position, which doesn't have a great turnover rate after, you know, your your rookie contract is up. So that's the big question mark. But there's two teams that really jump out to me in the draft. And one of them, it's the Eagles, man. If the Eagles feel like they are set mm-hmm. offensively and defensively with just the guys that they want in the interior to dominate the line of scrimmage, if they got Bijan Robinson back there with Jalen Hurts and the rest of that offensive crew, man, that is a dangerous combination of guys uh, as far as a skill group goes. And that goes – they go right to number one if they get Bijan. They're already at like 1A, 1B, you know, 2 right now, I feel like, in the NFL with that crew. You get a guy like that at the running back position of the first round, I mean, you, you can't say that they're not contenders right away. My second one would probably be the Bills just because I feel like they do need a guy like him to be that assertive presence, especially late in the season. And if they're a team that want to win a lot of home games Mm. in cold Buffalo, you know, having a guy like B. John Robinson punishing defenders in the cold weather, catching the football well out of the backfield with Allen, uh, I think that would be a, a dynamic duo. I like both those picks, but it's not my pick. I've got the Atlanta Falcons. Again, I, I yeah. like where we're coming from with here with Bijan because you you really can't find a bad spot for him unless you pick a team that already has like an established running back. Like him on the New York Giants is one that doesn't make any sense because they've already got Saquon. It'd be kind of strange to try and get him into the mix and they've got other needs. I think the Atlanta Falcons schematically is a perfect fit for what we know that Arthur Smith's history as an offensive play caller has been we know that he loves to have these talented running backs to rely on I look at also these big strong running backs that he's been able to rely on guys in the past like Mike Davis like Derrick Henry who's been the most prominent amongst those names you throw Bijan into the mix and heck I even also acknowledge that Tyler Algier who's nowhere near the athlete that Bijan is and he was a successful rookie this past year you put Bijan into the mix a power base scheme he is going to pick up a lot of yards, and he's going to be a very productive player. I don't think this happens because I think the Atlanta Falcons have more significant needs to address. But if those needs weren't on the table, them knocking out and getting B. John Robinson is a fantastic addition to their offense. There's another running back in this class, though, that I think is going to sneak into the back end of the first round, that being Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. Much different player than B. John. Smaller more compact, very elusive, very quick, great receiver. Ryan, best destination for you. I mean, I'm going to take one that Matt just kind of said with Bijan, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that when you look at that offense, and that kind of hit on it already, the ability to take it from a very good, great offense to potentially the best in the NFL, you really are just a running back away, man, because you lost Miles Sanders this offseason. Obviously, he left the Philadelphia Eagles. You still have an okay option in the backfield with Kenneth Gainwell, who I think is a, is a good football player. You still have guys like Boston Scott. So they can do the running back com- by committee thing, and they can make it work. But what could take that mm-hmm. offense to the next level is you get a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who, like you said, Joe, can be a traditional runner in the sense of, like, let's run inside, outside zone. Let's, you know, work the, you know, the ability for him to stay patient, hit backside AB. Like, he can do all that type of stuff, right? But then it's his – and a home, home run, run hitter. hitter yeah. Right? Once he breaks the first and second level, he right. is out of here. 
but also his ability right. as a pass catcher. I'm thinking of in that heavy RPO system that they like to run with the Philadelphia Eagles, him in the backfield with Kenneth Gainwell at times, right? Where one's faking inside zone, one's right. flaring out. Get these players in space. I think Jameer Gibbs plays the t- style of game that the Philadelphia Eagles want to play. You know, they want to play the space game. They want to get guys like A.J. Brown, Kenneth Gainwell, maybe Jameer Gibbs in space and let them wreak havoc. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, obviously, in that in that conversation as well as far as getting him out in space and letting him be a, a carrier of the ball as well. But I think Jameer Gibbs, Philadelphia Eagles, they also have two different selections where people are going to hear this or to say, Philadelphia Eagles are never going to take a running back in the first round. Look at Howie Roseman's resume. And I say, I understand. And that's probably why they won't take one at 10. But they also have one at pick 30, right? Where you say, I can get yeah. a legitimate player at a position of higher of higher importance, and then I can take a gamble on a running back at pick 30. So, Jameer Gibbs, Philadelphia Eagles, kind of like it a little bit. Skaronski, Northwestern at 10, and then Jameer Gibbs right. at 30, right? And just load up on the offensive side. I love that take, though. I thought that – I think you're, you're hitting it right on, Ryan. I love those thoughts. Um, one of the thoughts uh, to add to that, too, is just Jameer Gibbs' ability in that offense particularly is – the screen game, which is a heavy part of their offense, getting their running backs in space, getting easing completions while they're spreading defenders out. So that would be really interesting, too. Um, when I think about Gibbs, though, personally, I think about the New Orleans Saints. I also think about the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals are in a team of a need of running back and running back depth, more importantly. And I think they are a team that needs a little bit more consistency in the backfield as far as depth. They, they lose P. Ryan, and then we still are not sure exactly what's going on with, uh, with Joe Mixon at the moment. Um, so I, I think right now a big question mark for them is the running back position. Get a guy like Jameer Gibbs in the backfield with that skill group and you are flying off into the postseason and creating a lot of big plays and I think New Orleans too just with the Alan Kamara situation they need to add a little bit more depth to that position and uh, have a reliable source of just positive yards for Derek Carr and that new look offense I like the New Orleans uh, New Orleans Saints addition there to throw him in there because uh, one guy has been so closely comped to Alvin Kamara is Jameer Gibbs. A lot of people bring that up. They've got a very similar play style. They both came from Alabama at one point. Uh, So it's really fun to hear that name brought up. I think one team that isn't acknowledged enough for Jameer Gibbs is the Los Angeles Chargers. I feel like a lot of people acknowledge Bijan as an option for them, but I push back. I think that Jameer is a better style fit for what we saw was successful for the Chargers. I look at you know, their current depth with Joshua Kelly, but more importantly, they're supposedly going to be moving on from Austin Eckler. Maybe this is a trade that happens during draft night or around draft night. They are on the same page. And if he moves on and goes elsewhere, what was successful for Austin Eckler? It was the fact that he was a great receiver as well as a great running back. Heck, his production, he was almost more productive as a receiver at times than he was as a running back in games. So I think yeah. you put Jameer Gibbs into this offense, you get an added weapon into the mix, one who is going to provide massive impact once you put him in space. And that is, to me, a bigger, quicker replacement for Austin Eckler than if I'm going to plug in Bijan or maybe some of these other later on. The other one, too, that I keep seeing is Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. I don't think that's a style fit at all. I think that this one here for... For, for Jameer Gibbs makes the most sense. Guys, let's get on to our next 
player, our first tight end, our only tight end on today's show, top consensus player in the class, at least for the people on this program, Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Very, very great blocker, very, very talented receiver, highly impactful player, one who I have said is going to have uh, a significant early impact, could be a top five tight end by his second season. He is that good of a prospect. If we put him into, into the right offense – Bold can be statement, productive. Cotton. Bold statement. I, and I, I stand behind those guns. I know Ryan can at least somewhat agree with me, but what offense, Ryan, do you think Michael Mayer, if he steps into, he is going to be a top five tight end or could be a top well, five I, tight end? I think it's a team that most needs tight end production, so he's going to get a lot of volume there pretty quick. It's the great Packers, man. Like They just don't – the cupboard's bare. I mean, I, Joe, we were talking about this the other day. The only tight end they have under contract for next season right now is Josiah DeGuara. It's all they have, man. Lost Mercedes Lewis, Lewis uh, Marce- Mercedes Lewis, excuse me, this offseason. Robert Tanyan left town as well. They don't have a tight end on this roster, man. And I think one big thing is, you know, it, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is going to be out of there just depending on when it's going to happen ultimately and what the price tag is going to be. But with that fact in mind as well, having a young quarterback in Jordan Love, a guy that's going to be a first-year starter in Green Bay, Having a security blanket, I think, would be a big-time opportunity for a guy like Michael Mayer, a guy in those third and short and third and mediums, a guy that you can depend on to be that consistent chain mover. I think that's what Michael Mayer can bring to the game, and I think it's also a humongous need for what the Green Bay Packers currently have on their roster. They just don't have a guy on the roster, and they don't have depth on that roster at tight end where you say, I have a difference maker. Get Jordan Love a young quarterback-friendly target, and let him develop into one of those players as you start the new regime under the Green Bay Packers. I like that thought a lot for a young quarterback, right, and just relying a little bit more on the run game, which he is a great run blocker, and he will be able to stay in multiple packages, run or pass with that offense. So I think that the offense will kind of reshape with a new direction at quarterback. So totally see eye to eye with you on that one. This one uh, is a little bit of a tough one for me to kind of place. you know, the Patriots, I kind of think about the Patriots a little bit. Um, you know, it's just like an old school mentality and appreciation for that position. Um, the Ra- the Raiders come to mind occasionally a little bit too. Now that the fact that Waller isn't there and also too just, you know, McDaniel having a little bit more of that Patriot way, right, of, of making the most out of the tight end position. Um and then I think about the Minnesota Vikings, honestly. I think the Minnesota Vikings could be like a sneaky little spot, too, for them. They're a team that wants to rely heavily on play action. They're a team that wants to run the ball pretty well. And I think with the fact that – or run the ball better than that he did this last season, I think, more consistently. So I think the Minnesota Vikings could be an interesting pick for that position as far as just integrating him into the run game, into the play action pass game a little bit more, and really kind of uh, – you know, taking advantage of different assets of that offense that I think that he's learned through his years of being around guys like, uh, you know, um, Kyle Shanahan and McVay. Yeah. Well, I, he's another one of those players like Bijan. For me, Matt, it's just like, what team can use mm-hmm. Michael Mayer? Anyone that needs a tight end, right? Yeah, anyone. <laughs> yeah, where we are. Sure. The the one I always keep coming back to, and I, I don't think it's likely after what the New England Patriots did in acquiring Mike Gusecki through free agency and, and their current tight end room. Yeah. I, I, it feels like that they've tried to figure that tight end position out. But at the same time, what general manager slash head coach has been obsessed with acquiring talent at the tight end position? And then nonetheless, having a guy who is similar in ways 
to another player who played for your team that wore 87. It's it's Bill Belichick. I, I think that he could be very attracted to what Michael Mayer brings to the table. I think that, though, that overall, it would be a perfect fit to throw him into Bill O'Brien's offense. Uh, Michael Mayer, as a New England Patriot, would be scary, would be scary good. And knowing that Mac Jones has that security weapon to go to is something that he hasn't really had. I know that Kaseki is, is a great linear athlete. I know that um, Hunter Henry is a, a quality tight end, has regressed a little bit over the past few years. But it just feels like with that receiver room and the way that it's structured, there's just not like a, a, a bailout dump-off type player. And you put him into the mix, this is a guy who's got great consistent hands. He's not going to drop a lot of passes. You don't need him to run uh, deep, complicated routes, especially if you already have Gasecki. Let him rack up seven, eight receptions a game. That's what he needs to be. And I think that Mac, his development would improve so much more if he had a guy like Michael And when Mayer Bailey Zappi takes his starting job, he's a really good short thrower. So like, oh, makes sense, man. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Um, I, well, to that point, though, Mac is a much better short to intermediate thrower than he sure. is a deep thrower. So Michael Mayer fits yeah, exactly that's that. Their, that's their style of quarterback. So quarterback's best friend, brother. It doesn't matter who play quarterback for the New England Patriots this year. They're going to do a little bit better than they did a year ago just because they have someone that understands the offensive game. And that's what's crazy about last season and how that played out. It's just you, nuts you, 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 to you, think you, about that they had a special teams coordinator and a defensive coordinator as the offensive coordinator. I love Bill Belichick, but that is crazy. You mean, you mean man, they're not so. going to have a guy with a <laughs> pencil know. and a laminated play sheet calling plays this year? That's good, man. It's great. <laughs> it was an IHOP menu. Hey, it, man, he, right. was, he was the rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't, but yeah, more power to him. And, you know, good for Mac Jones or Bailey, whoever in that QB room for finally having an offensive mind to uh, speak the same yeah. language with. Ryan's such an antagonizer having to bring up Bailey Zappi as former, a, as a former potential MCS starter. But great I, Bailey Zappi, I, man. I, I, I get it. I get it. Mack will still probably be the starter by the end of the season. And if they draft Michael Mayer, it'll be very I mean, helpful. You can't, you can't blame Ryan for thinking that either because there's no doubt that there's been just some weird things going on in New England in that yeah. position in particular. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to put your finger on exactly what it is that is going on up there, but – it even could be Lamar Jackson who's throwing that football, but we don't need to we don't need to dive down that that rabbit hole. That too would be far. awesome, but I don't see Lamar playing for that crew. Yeah. That would be fun. But regardless, we've got two receivers that we want to get to uh, for these offensive weapons to wrap up today's show. The first being Quentin Johnston, highly talented player from TCU. The former Horn Frog is an interesting prospect. He is uh, a strong athlete for his physical profile, not an elite one. He ran a 4.53 at his pro day. Pretty good jumps that he put up at the combine. Bit of an enigma, I will say, as a prospect. I think that Ryan can agree with this, is that he's a bit boomer bust. If he doesn't hit, fully hit what he's capable of, he might not be a productive player at all. Kind of kind of gives me some shades of like Kenny Galladay, where if he hits, he's a really good player. If he doesn't, he's a complete nobody in your Wait, offense. And you're I, asking... I, I, you know, Wait, where, where are, are we? Uh, we're talking about Kevin White Jr. here. Is that who we're talking about? I'm sure. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop. You were. Oh, wow. I mentioned that earlier in the pre-show, and I knew that you were going to pull something like that. Wow. Don't talk down on Quentin. No, besides the point, Quentin Johnston, if we were trying to pick a perfect destination in an offense where maybe he could shine early on and then develop well, Ryan, what do you think? Where's Detroit the Lions is a team that I think makes a lot of sense for him because I think that mm. when you talk about the structure offensively of what they have already in the building – Really, all they need is that one 
big boundary receiver to kind of put it all together, right? You have already Jamison Williams, who was injured most of his rookie year, but is coming back. He's the premier deep threat, yak guy, right? He's an explosive player. Amon Ross St. Brown's more of that short to intermediate separator, kind of a possession type guy. You have the running backs in the room, obviously. David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a guy that you can use in the passing game. The one guy that they tried to use in this role last year was DJ Chark, but DJ Chark is obviously not in that building anymore. They need a guy that can play along the boundary, be able to win some contested catches at times, be able to stretch the field against man-to-man coverage. I think that that could be Quinton Johnston. So with that offense under Ben Johnson, that I think took a massive step forward this year, man. Like they were good in 2021. They were excellent in 2022. He, uh, Jared Goff had arguably his best season as a pro. He was very good last year. The yeah. offense had a lot of pieces around him. Continue to strengthen it, right? And this is a pick where Detroit Lions have two first-round picks. You do not have to spend a top-10 pick on getting Quentin Johnson. You have the second pick, which I think is the 18th overall selection, right? You come back. You get that final piece to to really solidifying this offense as that top-five unit that we saw last year. I think that it would just mesh really well with other wide receivers that are already in the room. I like that. I like the Lions. This is a good pick. Matt, what do you think? Who who do you who would you put him with? I like the Lions a lot too. Uh, you know, two teams that really come to mind as far as just need youth at the receiver position is the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think they're two teams really that kind of value that type of body type and that profile heavily as far as players that they've drafted in the past or signed in the past. So I definitely see the Chargers as potentially being a player for him, right? Especially with just their receiving core getting a little bit older, a little bit Mm -hmm. more in a veteran status now, need a little bit more youth and speed on the field, especially on the outside. Uh, Tampa Bay, I mean, similar situation as Los Angeles Chargers, just with, you know, getting up there in age, right? And getting up there with just, you know, racking up the years and miles on those legs. Um, and then a, a sleeper team that I have really as my, like, you know, dark horse pick would be the Cleveland Browns. Um, I feel like the Cleveland Browns would be a team that maybe would be a player for him um, as far as just adding just overall just size and ability on the outside and getting Deshaun Watson, one of those just scapegoat one-on-one type of matchup where we're going to win these 50-50 matchups and develop him, especially with the addition of Elijah Moore in the inside, just trying to create a little bit more space, a little bit more options to uh, to to get Deshaun I really like the season. Chargers fit especially, Matt, because it's one of those where yeah. you have my Williams is kind of that big physical boundary guy who can stretch a little bit. But yeah. Justin Herbert, they really need to kind of open up this offense a little bit, right? A little bit more vertically oriented because that's sure. really where his skill set lies, man. He can really push the ball down the field. Yeah. Getting a guy like Quentin Johnson, I think, fits really well as kind of that, you know, that Z receiver outside. You know, you kind of mix and match a little bit of release points with him. And also, Keenan Allen's getting very old. And one great thing about Quentin Johnson that people don't talk about enough is that he's a really nice route runner for as big as he is. Man, I feel like he could do some big slot stuff yeah, right. as well. So you put him in the slot, work him on the perimeter. I think he could do a lot for an offense. So I think that one's a really interesting one. Is kind of a vertically oriented wide receiver. Wow, that was like you, you like reincarnated as Mel Kiper there that. for a second. Don't that was amazing. That. I loved it. No, I mean that. I mean that as like you know, dude. Like that was a positive. You know, like that was amazing. Oh, I just saw Mel Kiper well, flash you. in the middle right there. Ryan gets those comments lot, often, yeah. and I, as much as he tries to act like he doesn't want those I comments, he I does. Ryan, I Ryan wants it. Yes, yeah, he does. for sure. Yes, he does. As long as I, as long as I have better hair, as long as we can agree there. 
I you do n- n- none of us here on this show have better hair than Mel Kiper. Mel Kiper has the greatest, some of the best hair in TV. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, I might have him. I might have him. <laughs> he, he might pop up on the screen in the background if if we see him, we can compare sure. hairstyles. But uh, my pick, though, I mentioned Kenny Galladay and his lack of support in the Giants receiver room. Yeah. He was a huge, huge miss in free agency. And I look at the way that this current Giants receiver grouping is structured. It's a lot of smaller guys. The best receivers in this group are Wandell Robinson and Sterling Shepard. And that's it. It's it's really a bunch of nobodies. I could keep running down the list, but it is a bunch of who, what, that guy. They need somebody, one, that can be a consistent go-to option. But I also think they don't have a lot of size. And I know that... Quentin Johnson's not like a big body possession receiver, despite being built like one. He is a little bit more of a vertical player. And then also, as you said, can provide maybe an impact in the slot. I think in general, though, they need a bigger receiver that can be a higher volume player than what they currently have on the roster. So for me, the New York Giants, they need to add a receiver and a good fit for them in an offense that Brian Dayball is calling that has had guys in the past that have had similar physical profiles. I think Quentin Johnson could plug right into New York and, and be mm. productive in his, in his first. I didn't seasons. think about that one, Joe, but that one makes a lot of sense. He fits kind of that similar Kenny Galladay mold as far as being a long, quickly oriented receiver. And that has a missing element of obviously what the giants have not had on. Uh, and unfortunately mm. it's a Daniel Jones, right? So you need to try to get the most out of him. So giving him better options around him is always a good positive in my opinion. Definitely. Guys, let's get to our last one here. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who has been a, a hot player as of late. I think that his pro day performance has possibly pushed him back into that first round conversation. We know that this is a very talented slot player. We know that this is a guy who is a fantastic route runner, not the most linearly athletic player, but his foot quickness, his route running, all that stuff is fantastic for the receiver position. If we were to pick a best destination for him, Ryan, what do we think? I picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, this is like one of those where it's like if you need a good slot receiver, mm-hmm. like, yes, it makes total sense, right? As far as like that translation. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers, I think you kind of this addition strengthens two areas, in my opinion, right? One is it gives you a premier slot receiver potentially as a short to intermediate separator. And that's what they need. When the Steelers were best a couple of years ago, it's when Juju Smith Schuster was that really good big body slot receiver and obviously Jack Smith and Jigba is going to be a different brand of slot but it's still it's going to be productive in just obviously in just a little bit of a different way but you strengthen the slot and I also think that that moves Deontay Johnson a little bit more out of the slot because he's got a lot of speed to burn man he can win down the football field mm-hmm. so then you also give the ability to stretch vertically with him a little bit more and not have him work the middle of the field as much so I think you strengthen two different spots for your offense potentially and I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba could be a best friend of Kenny Pickett pretty early on in his Steeler career. I like that pick a lot. Like it a lot. Uh, I actually have Ninjigba here with the Giants. Uh, so I did a little switcheroo with you, Joe, in that mm. situation. I thought that he's someone that I think that coaching staff can really take advantage of and get him those easy completions, having a lot of versatility in their offense, uh, winning those short option routes in the intermediate across the middle of the field. Um, so they're definitely, I think, a heavy player as far as a good landing spot for him. What they're trying to do offensively and spreading the football out, Daniel Jones' running ability, I think that's going to be very important for them. The other team that comes to mind, too, is the Buffalo Bills in this situation. I think they're a team, too, that really kind of needs to add a little bit more receiver depth. And I think that he does a good job of kind of 
he could potentially play multiple roles within that offense with Josh Allen too. So I see Ninjigba being one of these flex players that maybe one of these teams that are kind of comfortable or set with some of their skill groups, they can take advantage of a player like this that, you know, now they can utilize different plays and schemes that maybe they weren't doing in the past, especially with his ability to move and, uh, and create space and for himself. with the Giants, Joe, that's a perfect replacement for Russell, uh, for um, Sterling Shepard once he gets hurt for the seventh millionth time. So. Yes, oh, exactly. you didn't have to do that. That's not right, dude. That's not right. But I do like the fact of him being with a guy like yeah. Waller, Isaiah Hodgins, and how he finished the year. I think that's really interesting. Mm. Saquon as well out of the backfield. You know, so I think that that combination of skilled players really could be uh, a huge asset. And especially, too, with Waller, he's going to be one of these guys that they're probably going to flex him out occasionally. And he is going to be that sole receiver in the boundary by himself occasionally and just say, hey, if we're out there man to man and it's you versus a linebacker, we're taking that shot all the time. So that's where I see Waller almost being as like that pseudo X slash great tight end receiving tight end for them uh, this season. My pick here to wrap us up. I think that the Buffalo Bills are an interesting player here for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And similar to what I talked about with the Giants, I I was structurally looking at how the current receiving group is built. And you got Stefan Diggs, who's on the bigger side, not a massive receiver, but on the bigger side. You've got Gabe Davis, who is a pretty big receiver. I don't really see a lot of slot guys in the mix. I don't see who could be a go-to slot receiver amongst the Bills receivers. I believe they even brought they back did. Cole Beasley just to have somebody yeah. in the mix. And like that's pretty good proof of the desperation that they have of having an impactful slot receiver. So adding Jackson Smith and Jigba on an offense that already moves really well that I think we noticed in the playoffs was kind of missing a piece. It was missing a bailout type player like a Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think you throw them in on this Bills offense and they go from being tough to stop to being potentially unstoppable. That, to me, I think for the Bills, needs to be their biggest attack point is going up and getting this guy. And maybe they miss out. Maybe they have to rely on some other guys that are maybe a little less exciting. But Jackson Smith and Jigba as a Buffalo Bill, I think could be uh, transcendent for a team like the Buffalo Bills. And I like how you said that Stephon Diggs is one of those bigger receivers, too, when he's listed as six foot. You know, like that's... Hilarious to me, but okay. Well, I, I, well, you know what I mean by that. I'm, I'm saying he's that playing, he's not. He's play, he's no, I don't know what you mean. You playing, said he was a bigger player, and he's not. He's playing okay, on the perimeter right. is what Joe had to say. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm sorry that we're not all over six foot, and that oh. you know, being t- you know, six foot is considered tall for some people. Okay? Joe, let's, Joe, just let's, apologize. Let's, let's, right, well, just in apologize. the land of giants, <laughs> in the NFL, six foot is not tall. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. All right. Right. Yeah, I like point? that pick a lot. I, just, I, like that I just said sometimes, Joe, you just need to say, you're right, Matt. I was wrong. What I meant to say was that he's an outside oriented <laughs> receiver, although only six foot tall. That's all you have to say. Totally. All you have to say. Yes. Yeah, for sure. My phrasing was off, but that was what was basically what yes. I was saying. <laughs> yeah. so it was he's a great Z. He's a great X. He, he can do yes. a lot of different things for you. He can move into the slot. Absolutely. But being a presence or a size matchup has never been listed with Stefan Diggs. And I love you, Joe, but that's okay. okay. All right. Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good note to wrap us up on. At Joe DeLeon, <laughs> at Sims Complete QB, at Rise and Draft. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.